It's trash day, I'm putting you out, it's trash day. Putting you out, it's trash day. Putting you out of my mind. It's trash day, I'm putting you out, it's trash day. I'm putting you out, trash day, I'm putting you out of my mind. Now I'm gonna clean up, now I'm gonna clean up, now I'm gonna clean up the house. Taking all your garbage, taking all your garbage, taking all your garbage. And welcome back to another Can Crusher Spotlight. I am your host, Mark the Mark Martinez. I hope you guys are enjoying the spotlights. They're coming fast and furious now. And this one is an official podcast. Did you get the pun? It's an official podcast. Because Joe Mandak is coming on Can Crushers. We're going to talk about his eight-year career in wrestling. And there's a lot behind this because he is the official that you know. Muscles Mandak is going to be on the show from IWC. But you also see him on ROH. You've seen him everywhere in his eight years. So there's a lot I got to ask him. I want to know more about officiating. I want to know if he follows anything that our friend in NWA, Jared Fritz, does. The ref fit, if he does any of that. This guy's ripped in general, so he's got to be one up on Jared Fritz. Maybe. Or maybe he's learning from Jared Fritz. I don't know. There's a lot to go over with Joe Mandak, and I just have to pick his brain about so much more, especially being friends with Nick Lendl. There's got to be a story or two that's going to blow my mind about our boy, Nick Lendl. So let's get right into it after we hear from Al Snow and Collar and Elbow. Guys, you know we are linked with Collar and Elbow. They're our sponsor. They have great hats, hoodies, tees, all great wrestling apparel from Collar and Elbow. Just sent in for my Daphne shirt that's going to be coming. I'm really pumped about that. You guys can do that too at CollarandElbow.com. And when you check out, use a promo code. Can Crushers, all one word, capital C and can, capital C and Crushers, and you'll save 10%. Here comes Al Snow to tell you more about it. I got Joe Mandak on the other line. We're set to go. Wrestling. A love and a passion we all share. I've started a wrestling brand. The wrestling brand. A brand founded on the aspects of wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product that connect emotionally for people everywhere. Collar and Elbow is the brand. Passion and love for wrestling is the drive. I am Al Snow, and this is Collar and Elbow. The wrestling brand. And welcome back to Can Crushers. You heard in the intro how excited I was to have this super official on the show. His career may be coming to an end. We need to get into that a little bit more, finding out why the hell he's doing all this. But I need some horrible road stories about Nick Lendl and anybody else in IWC. Welcome to the show, Mr. Joe Mandak III. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. I greatly appreciate that. And uh, I, I'm sure uh, as this uh, continues, uh, there may be a couple stories that I might be able to uh uh, to throw your way in regards to maybe Lendl, maybe Dombrowski. There, there, there should be a couple good ones. Well, 
I'm not letting you go any farther I- until we get one good one because Lendl is no Lendl is a great guy. I'll throw that out right off the bat. Caveat: We love Nick Lendl, but he he I think has a man crush on you. I really do. <laughs> Ah. No, he's, he's, he's a fantastic dude. Um, one story, and he'll probably remember this. He was actually, I believe, ring announcing uh, the entire show in Columbus for Ring of Honor. And we get to the venue, and he's looking in his bag, and he's like, I don't have a shirt. He's like, how did I not pack a dress shirt? He had probably four or five ties, four or five belts, all different colors. He said, I don't have a dress shirt. So we went and we drove and we tried to find, you know, just some hole in the wall place. And we found a really, really nice place. And uh, he went in, got his size. And the guy's like, do you want to try it on? And Lendl's like, no, I know my size. But he's like, all right, well, all sales the final. I don't know if he was just being a jerk or what. But I think he ended up spending like $180 on a dress shirt because oh he forgot. God. Yeah, I think he might still have the receipt or something. I don't know if he was trying to get reimbursed for that. But out of everything that he could have possibly forgotten, um, yeah, he forgot He forgot a dress shirt. So uh, I'm pretty sure he still has that. And it wasn't even like a uh, – it wasn't like a blue shirt. It wasn't red or black. I mean, it, this is a plain white button-down shirt that, that put him out about 187 bucks. Was there not a Walmart or a thrift <laughs> store around or anything? Um, downtown Columbus, kind of where the venue is, it, it's pretty classy. Uh, it's actually it really, really cool. Um, if you get a chance to go there, I would highly recommend it, even if it's for like a hockey game because the, the arena's right there. But um, no, I don't believe there was. Uh, so yeah, he just kind of punched in a place that he could get a dress shirt. And luckily, it did fit because all sales are final uh, with that. And he, like, luckily, it fit, and he was able to go through the show, no problem. And But um, like I said, I'm pretty sure he probably has that receipt, like, mounted above his bed or something, maybe even framed. It's, uh, it's definitely definitely a good one. Like, I don't know how you forget a, a dress shirt as, as a ring announcer and have literally everything else, but... Um, so yeah, if you, if you feel like ribbing him on that, uh, definitely, uh, definitely go for it. He'll get a kick out of it. Uh, I'm sure his wife liked that. And of course we've always said, if she doesn't dress him, he doesn't show up. So. <laughs> awesome. So it's it come to everybody that loves wrestling's, uh, fruition and knowledge now that you are stepping away from the business. We're going right hard, right hard. And then we'll come back to joking around. Um, you did your last ROH show, correct? And you've announced three more shows with your last one being essentially it's going to be the Pittsburgh Classic. I believe that's Plumber, what Plumber's going to name it on December 4th. Um, still yet to be named, but come on, it's December IWC. Um, yes. Why? Right off the bat, why are you stepping away? Is everything okay? Is, is it a decision that you're going to use your communications degree a little bit better, something like that? You're not injured, you're not sick, anything like that. Please tell us all that. Yeah, not, not injured, not sick. Uh, I'm not going to be uh, wrestling. I know that's been a number one question. Like, oh, are you going to start wrestling? At 31, nobody wants to see a six-foot ginger, Matt wrestle, or do anything like that. Um, so, so I'll just cancel that. I mean, I, I picture if, if, if there's any any – who throws out a challenge or something. I got the itch, you know, maybe to have one more match. I think that would be pretty cool. 
But um, no, I, I don't plan on uh, pursuing a, a career in, in pro wrestling as a wrestler. Um, I know I'm not signed anywhere else. A lot of people ask me, oh, you're done with ROH. So that means you're going to AEW. Um, no, I'm not going to, to AEW. I attended a QT Marshall seminar, excuse me, QT Marshall. Thank you. Um, I, I would get slack for that. Yes. Uh, and I don't want to get slapped. That's for sure. Um, so uh, I went to a seminar, provided him my resume. Um, their ref core is completely solid, a uh, very good ref core. So, um, it doesn't see, I mean, I'm going up against the likes of, of people with tenure like Rick Knox, uh, Paul Turner, ROH's former referee. So uh, they have a really, really good squad, not to mention they have Posey in their back pocket. They have Frank Stowe in their back pocket. who does a lot with the timekeeper's table and ring maintenance. So fantastic dudes. And, and I wish them nothing but the best and, and a lot of success over the next few years. So um, if, if anything were to ever happen and a spot would open up, you know, I'm not, you know, saying it'll, I'll never do it again, but as of right now, um, I just, I, I don't know a lot of people know, but in addition to refing on the weekends, uh, for ring of honor, IWC, and, and when I started a lot more promotions, I mean, I was trying to go to West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, all that good stuff to get my reps in as a ref. Um, I work, uh, as a college coach, I coach, uh, uh, men's and women's college golf for Carlo University. And I also work a quote unquote nine to five um, for a medical company uh, in Pittsburgh. So between working three jobs, I started each of those in, in uh, 2015, started refing obviously before that, and then got that job. And then the coaching kind of picked up. I essentially use all of my PTO days at work. I start the year usually around uh, between 20 and 25 days of PTO. And I use probably 94% of those um, to go coach golf, to go ref. Um, so yes, I am having a day off from the office, but nine times out of 10, I'm using those days to, to go rep, to go drive to Philly, go drive to Baltimore. When the pandemic hit, I used that to, to isolate in a hotel room in the ROH bubble. Um, or I went to, you know, Penn state to coach golf, or we went to Belterra in Indiana uh, to coach golf and doing that for about, you know, six and a half years just took its toll on me. And I started seeing refing as a burden instead of something I, I enjoyed. So don't get me wrong. I still love wrestling, still absolutely love, love refing. And I'm probably going to miss it more than I think I'm, uh, I'm letting on. But uh, the fact of the matter is I just, I, I told myself if I wasn't signed to a contract full time, by the time I was 30, I'd hang it up pandemic hit. So I let it slide, let it slide, let it slide. Um, and, and I'm just absolutely exhausted, uh, physically, mentally. And again, I'm, I'm looking at refing as oh, I got to go do this as opposed to let's go. Here comes the weekend. I get to ref. And I don't, I, I don't want that. Um, I don't want any, uh, animosity towards wrestling. Wrestling has been very good to me. It's, it's been able to allow me to pay my bills, pay off my students debt, pay off my car. And it's been fantastic for me. Um, so I don't, again, I don't want any kind of negativity, uh, to stream just from the fact that, you know, I'm running out of PTO days and I have to take unpaid days or, or something like that. So, um, that's the, I guess the long answer, um, to, to why I think it's, it's time that I kind of step away. And again, if, 
if ROH starts back up again and, and, and the pay is able to be increased or something that I'm able to do that full time, or maybe that in coaching, um, that then, you know, you won't see the last of me, you know, hopefully we'll get, we can revamp that. But at, at this time, I'm going to spend some time with my family, spend a, a lot more time with my wife. Uh, I'm going to plan a vacation. I haven't taken a vacation <laughs> since my honeymoon in 2017. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's just time for, to, to step away and, and, and fingers crossed, you know, if something comes up great, if not, um, I think I've done a lot more as a professional wrestler referee, uh, than most do, um, you know, in, in the business. So I have, I'm forever thankful for IWC. Um, uh, when I started PWX, uh, Premier Championship Wrestling uh, in Ohio uh, that just recently closed its doors. Um, obviously, Ring of Honor. So um, I just tip my hat to any promotion that uh, was willing to book me and, get, and give me a chance and an opportunity to, to do what I love. So much to grab from there. So, <laughs> my God. Um, one, I- I'm sure your wife will enjoy going somewhere with you instead of riding to and not I, I don't know your wife personally at all but I don't know if she rides to Baltimore with you or here or there but just a normal vacation to take her on a beach or maybe you can go to Abu Dhabi or someplace and that'd be nice to use those PTOs so it's good that you know that wrestling is never say never. I mean, look, a couple months ago, CM Punk came back. Edge has been back. You know, wrestling is a never say never type of deal thing. You are 31. You are, as a referee, extremely young in the business. Taking a break is great. And I'm just going to throw this out here from my own personal thing. Mentally, it's okay yes. to say, hey, I'm going to take whatever time off, you know, X time off right now. And if you think it's going to be 10 years, okay, it's not going to be. In six months, somebody's going to say, hey, Joe, uh, CJ Sensation, you know, stubbed his toe tonight. Can you make it here? Uh, well, I guess all I was going to do is cook out tonight for this X amount of money. Yeah, I can be there. I, I haven't done anything in a couple months. Sure, this is cool. It's okay. So I I love how forthcoming you are that you're essentially just burned out and you want a, a you break because I took one of those last year in life. I took a Mark break and I'm like, Good. I, I've been going since 16 of working and everything. I'm taking a month off, and I don't know what I'm going to do out of this month. But I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to play freaking video games because I have a month vacation, and then I'll figure it out after that. Awesome. That's essentially what you're doing, right? Yes, yes, yes. And and you had mentioned um, when I traveled uh, to Baltimore to Philly, I mean, if if Rendell's not riding with me or, um, you know, maybe an extra talent – I go by myself um, because of the, the quarantining and, and different things like that. I don't take my wife with me. Um, she's come to so some IWC shows. So uh, when I say that I, I miss her, it's because I, I, I truly generally miss her when, when I'm on the road. And, and, um, and, and so it'll allow me to spend a lot of time. And she's been fantastic holding down the fort um, with our two fur babies, you know, taking care of them. Um, she started up a, a business just a few months ago. And so, you know, she, she's been my absolute rock here at home and it's given me the opportunity and the flexibility to be able to go do something I love and, and the love and support that she constantly, uh, provides is, um, is something I definitely don't want to take for granted. So, uh, when I do finally, uh, 
get that vacation time and 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 I'm able to to take that uh hopefully sometime next year um yeah it'll be time well spent uh, with her for sure good good so you went we'll get to the wrestling part you went to school for communications uh as yep. well I did uh you graduated from Penn State Kensington is that yes, sir. right uh I went Pitt Bradford so we kind of okay. hate each other because they do not get no, unless you're Britt Baker, and then you love everything in Pennsylvania, right? That's I think so. Yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, how much have you used your communications degree? Uh, essentially, what did you want to do with your degree once you got out of high school and you started this epic journey? That's an awesome question. I wish somebody would have asked me that. Probably 2010 ish. Um, the the main reason I chose corporate communications, um, I did it probably for all the wrong reasons. One, uh, it was actually going to allow me to stay at Penn State New Ken all four years, which I actually don't regret that. I met my wife there and I was able to save a bunch of money because I didn't need to go to state college or get room and board or anything like that. I lived literally 10 minutes from the campus. So that was unbelievable. Um, but in my mind, I, I wanted to play basketball all four years. I ended up playing basketball for two years at Penn State New Ken, and then I actually coached uh, for three years at at Penn State New Ken. Um, and actually, it's funny you had mentioned uh, Pitt Bradford because my assistant coach uh, Doug Snyder actually played at Pitt Bradford. Oh so, wow! Yeah, so so that that was kind of a kind of a small world, and he's still my best friend. We go golfing, all that good stuff. Um, so, yeah, so so I, I stayed there to play basketball, and like I said, I only ended up playing for two years. Uh, financially, I needed to find a job, so I ended up getting a couple jobs on campus, doing some uh, stuff in the fitness center and uh, working kind of security, different things like that. Um, I, I did it because I, I didn't want to – I didn't like science, so I only needed nine credits. So I only needed three, you know, classes essentially uh, to get my degree. Uh, I thought that maybe, you know, I'd, I'd be some PR thing, but I realized I didn't really like, you know, PR. So I didn't like, uh, journalism that much. So literally you asking that question is, is fantastic because, uh, I did it for not because I was like, Oh, I want to be, you know, the PR relations for PNC or something like that. It, it literally just kind of kept me at home. And I thought it was an easy way to get a degree. If, if I could go back, I'd probably, especially knowing what I know now, I'd probably do something engineering, maybe even just a two-year associates in like mechanical engineering technology, um, maybe work on hospital equipment, you know, get an associate's degree there. Um, I might just, you know, go to the workforce, uh, learn a trade, uh, learn to be a, a mason or a plumber or something like that. Uh not yeah. a Justin Plumber, though. Not a Justin. <laughs> not not a Justin. Not a Justin Plumber. As much as I admire everything that he's done for for everything, definitely not a Justin Plumber. Uh, he's his own man. I'll let him do his own thing. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, that like I said, it's a fantastic question, but uh, I don't. I apologize. I don't really have a good answer as to why I wanted to do that. I mean, I use quote unquote communication in every day, whether I'm on the phone with an insurance company or via email or or, or Skype or, or Zoom or whatever it is, there there's the communication aspect there. And I work for a business. So yeah, there there's where my degree, I guess, comes into play. Um but yeah. There, well, <laughs> that's a great, great question. Well, thanks. Uh because being in communications as well, my goal was, you know, to jump on with a baseball team, do do something with play by play there, 
Um, okay. If you've known my story, uh, so many things have tackled and my whole life has switched it around. Just go back and listen to the podcast. I'm not going to bore you. Um, but essentially, yeah, I was in the same place. I'm like, all right, communications is going to be the way to go. I love talking. I love hearing myself talk, but I don't <laughs> have the face for TV. So I'm like, radio, radio, radio. Okay. And in the, in the area that we are, there's not a lot of stuff. So yeah. ours would have to be making a move. We have a 15-year-old now in ninth grade. I will not pull my son out of high school. I think that's personal things. I think that's just horrible when you have that strong niche and you move. Uh, I'm, you know, old school. But that's yeah. what was my thing. I wanted to know if you wanted to be the next, you know, Howard Cosell, Howard Finkel, somebody like that it, with your communications. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, no, I never, never really thought about that. Never thought of when, when I worked for uh, Enterprise, I would answer the phone and people would be like, oh, like, are, are you recording? Or, oh, man, you got, you, got a, you got a great voice for radio. You do. And you really so, do. So, so I, I thought about that, too. And, again, just never really dabbled into it or didn't really know, I guess, what avenues to take to maybe, you know, do something like that. Obviously, with, with podcasts and stuff, you're – able to talk and people can hear you talk. Uh, but yeah, never really dabbled into anything like that. So, um, yeah. (laughs) So after all of this, you, you find your love for wrestling or when do you actually, I'll put it that way. When do you actually find your love for wrestling? Was it mom or dad saying, Hey Joe, watch this is the age of like five. Yeah. Uh, so my dad was definitely into it. My mom, I don't know if she humored my dad or not, but she, she would go to shows and, I remember having the the VHS tapes and and one match in particular stuck out to me. It was Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart in a ladder match for the Intercontinental title. It wasn't on a pay-per-view. I believe they were in like Portland, Maine or something like that. And what got me at a young age, I was probably five or six, was how Shawn Michaels sold. Uh, I believe he was the heel at that time. He had uh, Sensational Sherry as the manager and uh, Bret Hart, I knew him just because, you know, the different commercials and ads and stuff like that, you know, you just kind of knew who, who they were. But it looked like Sean was just trying to outsell Brett. And as a heel, he made me laugh with some of the bumps he took. He took he did the, the crotch shot on, um, on the top rope. Um, he got, I think at one time you saw his bare butt because, uh, you know, Brett pulled it down, pulled down his pants. Uh, just the match just resonates with me. And so that was kind of my first taste of, uh, of wrestling. And, and my dad would take me to some of the house shows at the civic arena and, and yeah, just, I really enjoyed it. I'd watch it, you know, on, on Saturdays, uh, my dad would have it on. And then I didn't really get into the independence until I was probably maybe 11 or 12. And my, my first uh, independent show was actually IWC when they ran out of, the Monroeville Sports Complex uh, under Norm Connors. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's kind. Of, that was kind of my 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 segue from oh, you know, WWF to Independence. And what really got me about the Independence was there one there was no barricade, which I thought was awesome. I mean, right. it was literally the ring about six feet, and and then my chair. And at one time, I believe it was Brandon K and Dirk Ziggler. They were wrestling the Backseat Boys. And Brandon K took a baseball slide kick and he fell back into me and I fell back into my chair into the person next to me. And my dad kind of like set me back down. I was like, you all right? And I was like, 
that was unbelievable. Like, you don't <laughs> see that. I mean, it, it, literally this wrestler was in my lap. And from then it just, you know, something clicked at like, all right, I, I got to try to do this. So my brother, who's two years younger than me, uh, we had mattresses up in our attic that we would uh, wrestle on. We would put cardboard, long cardboard box in the corners for the turnbuckles. We use a wicker chair. I mean, our, our toy chest for one corner. I mean, just these vivid memories um, of trying to wrestle. And then we were trying to be, you know, kid sensation when he came out to, um, uh, he came out to uh, Peaches and Cream. Wow. Uh, we tried. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, I wanted to be, you know, Shirley Doe, uh, Dennis Gregory, uh, Jimmy Vegas. I mean, all these, all these, you know, uh, alumni of, of IWC just, Un- unbelievable stuff and and so that really opened my eyes to it like i said it, it wasn't really wwf that got me so much hooked on this is what i want to do it was the independence that like look these guys can do it why can't i so um that's kind of the the bug and how i got bit by you know by the wrestling bug at at you know going from five or six watching you know Shawn michaels and brett to 10 11 12 years old watching you know CJ and Brandon K and everything. So that's why I think it's so important. If, if there are any younger wrestlers listening, uh, people are watching you, whether you realize it or not, uh, you know, whether they're 65 years old or five years old, 15. So I, I guarantee there, there's a kid in the crowd who's going to get in the business and they're going to be like, why'd you get in the business? It was because of Cole Carter. It was because of Johnny Patch. It was because of Katie Arquette, you know, the, I guarantee there's somebody watching that that's going to name drop those people in the future. And and that's the beautiful thing about the business is, is just literally coming as a fan, deciding you're going to go, you know, balls to the wall with this and then trying to make it a career or, or trying to do it, you know, on the weekends as a hobby. So, um, yeah, I, I just it's wrestling when it's done right is just an absolute beautiful thing. Um, you know, any age, it's, it's, it truly is awesome. I, I agree with that 100%. And I, I could picture you five years old or 11 or whenever it was in Brandon Kay's in your lap. That means more, like you said, than you weren't going to get Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels falling in your lap. There's no, no way possible. And First of all, to get those front row seats, then even you had to take out a mortgage or a loan or whatever, and then there's a barrier. So yes, uh, Indies has changed that there is a little bit of a barrier, but yes. for the love of God, Jock Sampson still flies in the crowd once in a while. <laughs> yeah, that's a hey, he's a man who only takes a couple bumps, but uh, he works smarter, not harder. So if he's going to take one bump, might as well be in the crowd. It's a big one. Uh, I want to talk about, because I knew that was your, your favorite match and everything, so it's a setup question. Okay. Let's talk about the screw job real quick. Whose fault was it? <laughs> and that's, that's funny, because I know Dombrowski's done a DVD on it, and forgive me, Joe, I actually have not dabbled in it. And, oh, um, my God. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of weird when it, when it comes to that, that kind of stuff, is, but... That's uh, that's that's a whole different whole different podcast, whole different episode. Um, Good. That means yeah. you're coming back then, right? I, I hey, bring I, you Dombrowski and that bum Lendl on to decide all this. Right? Uh, we make that a three way between. Oh my goodness, that'll be. Uh, you're gonna need uh, well, a whole bunch. Of, you're, you're, gonna need, you're gonna need more. You're gonna need more than an hour. 
Oh, yeah, um, and then a bottle of Maker's Mark. Because all I have to do is turn the equipment on and let you three talk, and I'll be like, oh, this is golden. I don't have to do anything. That's unbelievable. Um, but, yeah, no, um, I, I got to say it was um, – that he Vince wanted to keep the uh, you know keep the title because Brett was leaving. So, I mean, I think that's the way you got to do it. I think they told Earl, "Look, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to call for the bell, and then just get out of Dodge." Uh, so, I, I think the idea was to screw Brett out of it so that he could not leave with the um, with the title. And I think, yeah, I I, I don't. I don't know. It, it's I've heard so many compelling arguments for both sides that I'm kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Um, you're exactly, as far as, you're exactly as, where as, I as far as where, as far exactly what I what I truly believe, because um, I think there's definitely strong evidence to support uh, both cases. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to say he had, had to keep the title, uh, had to keep the title in uh, in the Federation. And there was no way they were going to let uh, Brett walk out with it. Yeah, you're exactly where I am. I have, you know, several people come on and they say, no, it was all a work because nobody's going to let Brett do the WCW sign on WWF air at that time. Or did it? Yeah, there's so many. I know you've heard them all, but I'm like, ah, I don't know. Nonetheless, it made money for everybody across the board. Yes, it did. (laughs) That's wrestling one, right? Yes. Yeah. So. Essentially, you talk about some of your favorites being the local guys. If you're listening to this in California or wherever, um, Vegas and Dennis Gregory and and everybody that's a, a stronghold. But when you were watching the WWF or WCW at that time, who are some of your other favorites? That because before you were a referee, you did have a few matches, and we'll get there. But who did you want to kind of put your style at as a wrestler from that era? So, so definitely, definitely Shawn Michaels. I wanted to sell. I, I loved, loved, loved his selling. Um, and then, um, as as I kind of dabbled a little bit more, uh, I took a took a liking to Eddie Guerrero. Just in and and what was goofy and again, it's it's kind of what you know now. Wish you could go back, kind of thing. Just the way he worked both heel and face was, was just unbelievable. And the little nuances that he had, the little body language or, or, or maneuvers that he would do again, whether he was working face or heel, it, it just make, makes him one of the, one of the greatest of all times in, in, in my opinion. Um, so those were kind of, uh, I, I guess the two, um, I also took a liking to uh, uh, Rey Mysterio and Dean Malenko. I loved their their battles in, in WCW, especially over the cruiserweight. Uh, very very underrated wrestler, uh, Dean Malenko, in my opinion, just one of the oh, best technical yes. wrestlers of all time. So I guess if you could, if they those three could maybe like mold, you know, with the technical aspect, but the charisma of Shawn Michaels. Um, and the and and the the work ethic of Eddie, uh, I think somewhere there you might have had what I would try to aspire to be, um, try to mold between between those three. I I thought of one other one that I actually thought you were going to bring up, uh, and I think it's maybe because your officiating style that it's always, you know, straightforward. You're just there. I thought you were going to say Mr. Perfect as well. Well, so. It's weird because I didn't appreciate Mr. Perfect uh, until a much 
much older. I mean, same. I mean, he the way he sells and his promos and just the way he carried himself to the ring, literally, no pun intended, was, was perfect, flawless. And, and even on commentary, just uh, incredible. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wish my vernacular was better, but just absolutely incredible. And, and again, I, I didn't really appreciate him when I was younger, uh, but now when I go back, just uh, just unbelievable worker. Um, also, also Owen Hart. I, I, I oh. failed, failed to mention that, but when I was kind of juggling around with different names and stuff, uh, or when I would wrestle with my brother, I just called myself a Rocket because uh, I had I, heard them, you know, kind of stole referred to his him. name. Is essentially what you did. You just... <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, someone Joe the Rocket. I'm just going to be the Rocket um, because I. I even at a younger age, I, I liked him more than Brett, and I thought he was a better wrestler um, than Brett. Uh, that's definitely debatable, uh, but that's that's my two cents on that. I thought he was a better wrestler, definitely had more personality than Brett. Um, I just thought that You're he was. Speaking to the choir, because I wave okay. the okay. flag all the time. Uh, gotcha. Me and John always have this battle, you know, at least once a year. Brett was just, and I'm not saying given everything because he earned it, especially coming out of the dungeon and all that. But if you're putting apples to oranges, Owen was the, he could have been the superstar. And I think if it wouldn't have been Brett leaving the way he did, I think maybe Owen was going to get that rub. And then all hell happens. Yes. No, hundred percent agree. I mean, the fact that he, you know, he was a multi-slammy winner, intercontinental champion, you know, multi-tag and everything. That's, that that's fantastic. It's um, yeah. I I don't know. I, I I'm so, you know it's obviously you know tragic the way the way his uh, his career and life ended. So um, it would have been nice to see what he you know could have done. But um, to the same token, I mean he he left us a bunch of uh, a bunch of classics and including uh, I mean the him over clean at WrestleMania yes. uh, against his brothers. Just that, that still, I think is hilarious. I mean, he could have grabbed the ropes, um, but my man just sat down out of that, uh, out of that uh, package and, and won clean. So um, kudos, uh, kudos to them for, for, for doing that. That's, that's definitely a favorite, uh, definitely a top, uh, top five match for me. Oh, for sure. For me, me as well. Uh, the news is broke recently. Of course, you guys know we record ahead of time week by week. So this was uh, released this week, but I might as well talk to Joe about it right now. AEW and the Owen Hart Foundation teaming up. D- did you hear that? Yes. Yes. Um, fa- absolutely fantastic. And um, I don't know what all, I didn't read uh, into into details. I just kind of saw the, the, the Facebook uh, mention of it right and, and i know some people were were getting heated because he was never there or anything like that but i guess that's one really really positive thing about about AEW is that it's look he was he was a pillar of wrestling so we're gonna go ahead and and honor him and with you know with the foundation and everything like th- this is how we're gonna honor somebody who who essentially gave his life for for wrestling and and i just think that's great um that that part of my me being naive might be oh this is just so they can you know get under the skin of WWE or something maybe I don't know but I I just look at it for what it is and and it I'm very excited to see um, what transpires from it I think it's going to be great yeah I I do too uh, and I can see the battle that everybody's saying as well about WWE but 
I don't care. Uh, somebody to actually honor Owen and the, the Hart family allowing it, that's 100% for me. Yes. So let's talk about some of your training. You decided to get into professional wrestling as a six-foot ginger, as you called yourself. So that's open to call you on the table the rest of the time. Um, yes. <laughs> how'd that go? Where did you decide to go? How did you decide to pick? Was it because Brandon fell in your lap? You know, tell me all of that. Yeah, so so I went on the IWC website, and I believe at the time it was called the Coalition of Competition, and Shirley Doe was the trainer. So I shot him an email saying, hey, me and my buddy, uh, Gannon Jones Jr., uh, we were like, look, let's go down there. Uh, we'll, we'll see what's going on and, and, you know, we'll make a decision. So we went down there and, and Doe said, yeah, it's, it's not going to cost anything to, to try out. And then this is what it would be, how much it would be and everything. So the first night we went down, we just watched a couple other people train. Uh, we drove back and we were like, we can do this. So the very next day, I think we, we were training on like Thursdays or something every Thursday. So we went down to this uh, place in Glassport and they had a, I think it was an old uh, WWF ring that they kind of converted to a boxing ring. And so we went, we did the tryout with, uh, uh, with Shirley Doe and we began training. And I think we were, I think we had just graduated uh, high school. So, so we were both 18 and we started training through the summers. And then unfortunately uh, Gannon had uh, some car trouble and had to buy a car and he was unable to train. I went for a few more months and then um, I started uh, basketball in the fall. So I took some time off from that and eventually got back into training a couple years later um, under uh, uh, Spotlight, Scotty Gash and Crusher Hansen at what was NWA East, then converted PWX, then Fight Society. And I, I think that's the name that they're still on now. I believe um, so. So I trained uh, at the... Um, the Jacob Wool Pavilion in McKeesport. Uh, every, uh, I think it was every two weeks they ran a show. So I'd go down there at noon. We'd set up the ring. We'd do training for three or four hours, do the show, tear down, and um, and then go home after that. So that that's kind of where, where I got the basis of my training. I always credit Doe because uh, he taught me the, the basics for the first, like, month and a half. We didn't touch the ropes. It was all, um, you know, bumps. Uh, arm drags, hip toss, you know, without coming off the ropes, anything like that. Um, so, you know, kind of basically learned how to how to chain wrestle. And he's like, look, these ropes break. You still got to know how to work. So I really like those uh, mentality as far as how to work, uh, especially when it came to training. And uh, and then Crusher and, and Scotty got into a little bit more depth with with taking moves, everything like that. And um, so I was getting ready to um, getting ready to debut. Uh, in, I believe it was 2011, and then my grandfather passed away, and it took a lot more out of me than I thought. So I kind of stepped away from wrestling, uh, and and it took some time, personal time, and didn't really get back into it until about 2000. I think it was 2013 in November. I started going to uh, uh, some PWX shows at the uh, at the Wrestleplex, and I noticed they only had a couple referees and I was like, you know what, maybe I dip my feet into that. If I want to wrestle, I'll do that. Great. If not, you know, maybe I can do that. So I met with Sean Patrick, who's my referee sensei and taught me a good bit to, to get me going. 
And from there, I guess, as they say, it's, it's just history. So I kind of trained, took some time off, was fully trained, unfortunate, um, took some time off and then kind of dabbled in the, the refing. And then as I was refing, I kind of heard the words that every referee, especially when they're starting out, wants to hear is, Hey, you don't suck. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's kind of, kind of sad and cliche, but that's, I mean, there I've done other podcasts and I've heard other referees say the same thing. So when, when you hear that, it's a big, uh, nice little boost to the ego. And then when you have guys like Jack Pollock or, or at the time, Cassidy Stone or Gannon Jones Jr. saying, Hey, do you got my match? Can you get my match? it's pretty cool. It's, it's very humbling that you know that, Hey, this guy who's been around for so long wants me to do their match. Or this guy who's been on TV this way, they want me to do their match. So um, it just kind of branched from there. And at the time when I started, I was just doing it uh, kind of as a hobby. And then Dombrowski uh, kind of kicked me from behind and said, look, you're really good. You shouldn't do this as a hobby, but if you treat it as a hobby, that's all it's ever going to be. So he said, go invest in black socks. Make sure you always have a belt. Make sure you always have an undershirt. Uh, make sure you have multiple ref shirts in case somebody missed you or something gets dirty. There's blood. Carry gauze and, and, um, and gloves with you, medical kit, everything like that. So he kind of kicked me into high gear, and it definitely went from a hobby that I would do once every, you know, so many weeks uh, to – you know, thankfully ring of honor one day and, and was able to make a, a lot more money than I did, you know, just kind of starting out. Well, I, again, so much to pull from there. Yeah. Um, so you never rewind. So you never actually had a match then, or you, had, you've had maybe a dark match or something that, you know, just training wise, training wise, I actually had one match and ironically it was for IWC uh, I got IWC to Penn State, New Ken to do a show. And so I was put in the main event. It was a six-man tag. It was John Bolin, uh, Shima Zion, a.k.a. Joaquin Wild, and myself against the founding fathers of Dennis Gregory, Jimmy Vegas, and big league John McChesney. Holy shit. And the, Welcome to the, the ring. Welcome to the ring. And the special guest referee at the time, there were two of them, was uh, uh, Bubba the Bulldog. And he kind of had a thing with the, the founding fathers. Yeah. And the enforcer on the outside was delicious Jimmy DeMarco. Which is amazing. I love Which, I have a man crush on him. So literally all these – this talent I've worked with is, I mean, where they've been or where they've gone and, and – you know, who I've watched growing up. So we had the six man match. McChesney lit me up the hardest chop I've ever felt. I think I ate probably five or six of them that night. Um, and uh, the funny twist was, is um, I hit a moonsault from the top rope to the outside and Jimmy DeMarco came in and hit the, the C4 on uh, Bubba the Bulldog I got thrown in and somebody was like, cover them. So kind of being out of it and winded, I just covered them. And Chuck Roberts comes over and makes the announcement that Bubba's added to the match and told Jimmy to do his job. And Jimmy counts the three crowd, you know, goes wild. And I have uh, a win over Bubba the Bulldog and the main event of my very first show and my very last show that I ever did. So 
That's so unbelievable. So, so much, so much going going on with all of that. Um, and and again, it just it, it went by so fast. And that was uh, it was April twentieth of two thousand eleven. So we are ten years past that. Um, and uh, like I said, I still I still have an itch. I don't know why to to maybe get in there one more time against somebody, but. Um, yeah, I guess if you're going to go out on top, that's that's the way you want to do it. I, I am going to start a petition now as this podcast <laughs> is airing that your last thing, you have to be in the ring at the Pittsburgh Wrestling Classic on December 4th. I, I, I don't care. I will call Plummer every day. I will tweet him. You know what? I'll even skip over Justin Plummer and I'll go to the real boss, Jenny, and she'll probably okay. make it happen. <laughs> I've... I'm I'm not opposed to it, and uh, I'm not opposed to wrestling anybody. I believe that I could still give the crowd a a five to eight minute match uh, respectfully. I, you know, you're asking me to go twelve to fifteen, maybe in a tag match, but no, like again, nobody wants to see a six foot ginger uh, Matt wrestle or or um, maybe do a flip or something like that. Um, what's sad is all of these seminars and tryouts I've gone to, even as a referee, I've learned so much about wrestling. I just wish I could take that when time machines are built, go back and tell myself, look, dummy, you have to do this. Look, dummy, take your time. If you think you're going too fast, go slower. Psychology, psychology, psychology. You don't need to do flips to get a contract. You know, be lovable. Do this, do that. I mean, there's so much that I've learned and absorbed from some of the best minds in the business um, that I, you know, it's kind of wish you could go back and, and, and tell yourself what you know now. Yeah. Uh, and, and you've worked with a ton and we're getting there. We're, we're about two questions away from working with a ton of talent and, and there's no disrespect to anybody, IWC, PWX, da, 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 da. but I mean, you, were and you've recently i'm not saying retired but left roh so if you know the roh roster guys you know the talent there but i want to give your props to being that referee because i've asked bobby i've asked um a couple other referees that i've, I've talked to jared fritz from the nwa is one. Oh, good he's a good dude he is an amazing dude uh this is you guys' big question, and I love this one. Ask one. How important is the ref to the match making the dance perfect? It, it's all about enhancing their story. Uh, and as much or as little as, as the wrestler wants to give you as far as job goes, whether it's see this, don't see this, really put over this falsy. Um, not to mention you're relaying, you know, you're relaying the, the time cues or you're checking on people, making sure that they're not really injured. Um, you're also on quote unquote crowd patrol, knock on wood and thank God nobody ever tried jumping a barricade uh, while I was in the ring. Um, thank, you know, thankfully that never happened. Um, you got three, you got three shows scheduled yet. Don't be popping off. Touche, touche, touche. Yeah, anybody, anybody listening? I can um, see Brad. I know, I know, I know, I know a little bit of jujitsu. Uh, it's more American jujitsu than Brazilian, but I don't want to use it. And so, please, just stay on your side of the barricade. That would be unbelievable. Thank Br you, Bradley Ruthers. It's super indie. He's coming. For I could, he might. Okay, okay, Bradley Ruthers. I might make an exception uh, depending on who he's going after. I might make an exception for Bradley. Anybody else? Please know. Okay. All right. 
<laughs> Sorry, go ahead and continue. <laughs> no, no. So, so yeah, it's it, it's very very important. Again, um, if it's just hey, stay out of the way, it's going to be real simple, no problem. If it's something like uh, what Jonathan Gresham and and um, Josh Woods did just this past a uh, couple Sundays ago on um, Death Before Dishonor, that was there was so much to to that match. And and I, I only hope and pray that it came off the way that they wanted it to as far as how I called that match, especially with it being a pure match. That Those matches, I mean, TV taping, you know, if somebody accidentally throws a punch or something, you can edit it out. But literally, there's nothing closer to an actual shoot than pure wrestling in front of a crowd. So yeah, you have to call it as you see it and uh it's very nerve-wracking and and i'm very privileged that todd even and thought that i was ready to do something like that in front of a crowd so it was very very humbling that it, that he gave me that opportunity it's like you're reading my script through the phone because the next, <laughs> the next thing i was gonna say it wasn't about that match but it was like You've worked with so many different uh, businesses, companies, organizations, federations, however you guys want to classify them, and there's different rules at each one. Like, sometimes it's okay to take a chair shot at somebody's head. That's part of it. How do you yes. adapt from, again, ROH Pure to Martinez Wrestling Federation that has no rules? And I'm using that as a you know, fake one because it's me. How, how do you just adapt to those? It's it's the the simple answer is it's it's all about what the booker wants. If the booker wants a triple threat match and there's no disqualification, easy. Um, I just did a triple threat match and I had asked Todd. I said, so what do you do if if somebody's choking in the corner? What what do you do? He said it's not like I think WWE had did this does the, the triple threat no DQ kind of thing. Yeah. But he said, if somebody is choking them in the corner and you get to five, you disqualify that person and they're eliminated and it becomes a singles match. And I never thought of that because if it's not announced elimination, then you just assume that, you know, what do you, what do you do? So uh, I, I told the competitors in the match, look, this is how ROH wants me to call it. So if there happens to be a distraction or if I need to miss something, um, let me miss it. And, and so, yeah, it, it's something as, as simple as that. As a th- I've done hundreds of, of three-way matches, but each one is different. And each one, you know, maybe one's elimination, maybe one's one pinfall. Um, and, and it's, you know, one has a DQ, one doesn't have a DQ. So it's, it's very important to get with the promotion and understand. Um, IWC has a 10 count on the outside. Ring of Honor and and I know like Lucha they do twenty on the outside so that's always an adjustment that I have to make sure I'm adjusting my cadence so that it's consistent with what the competitors need if they need more time on the outside so yeah it's it's difficult uh, and and I've I definitely I'm sure I've overlooked some certain rules at some point and because I was thinking oh. IWC or I was thinking, oh, Ring of Honor. So it's it's very, very difficult and very important that a referee pays attention to specifically what they want and how they want the matches called. Uh, not even on there. You just brought this up and I just thought about it. So how long in real time is your 10 count? 
Oh, not man. wrestling time. Not because right. wrestling time at ten counts usually about four minutes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know because I don't know. I do I do this thing where once I get to five, I'll kind of go between the ropes and let them know, hey, I need both competitors back in the ring, and then I'll continue. That's kind of like my, hey, yo, it's I'm at five. Yeah. Don't make me feel dumb because if I get to ten or or. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's not going to help anybody. And my biggest thing is I have no problem dragging that 10 count out. Uh, but my biggest pet peeve when I see other referees is the inconsistency. Like maybe at one time they're allowing them to do stuff, but then maybe it's a big falsy where the competitor gets in at nine and they drag it out. Like, no, 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 no. Like even in real sports, you know, if a referee is going to call holding – or cross-checking or something like that at the beginning of, of, of the hockey game or, or holding in the beginning of a football game, then they better be consistent the entire way through. Right. If you're going to let them play, let them play. That's fine. And I, I see wrestling referees is the same way. If somebody's in the corner, if you go straight to your five count right then and there, you better do your five count right then and there every time someone's on, uh, on the ropes. Um, there, there's different ways, in my opinion, to – uh, kind of finagle that and allow the heel to get a little bit in and allow the baby face to maybe, you know, do a 10 punch count or something like that in the corner. So like I said, you, you can kind of fudge the, the way you count um, by, like I said, uh, allowing the, the competitors to do stuff. And as long as they're not overstepping their boundaries or absolutely bearing the rules, then, then I have no problem stretching that out. Um, but to answer your initial question, I, so, so somebody needs to time somebody needs to time that and get back to me because I I absolutely have no idea. We'll do it. We'll do it a super indie. It sounds it, sounds great. And when we do the triple threat of you, Lendl, and Dombrowski. We'll bring it up and see how they can just shit on you. That's perfect. That's yeah. perfect. They, they deserve they deserve it. I, I give them a hard time uh, enough hard times as it is. So they I definitely deserve some heat for for that. So this all led to this question. It, it wasn't about the. The pure or anything, um, just in general, can you tell me a time that you actually became part of the storyline when you were not supposed to be part of the storyline? That's actually a really, really good question. Why? Well, I, um, I know one, and I don't know, and I'm not gonna. I'm gonna make you sweat and, and see if you say it, and then if you don't get there, I'll get you there. All right, didn't me. I came part of the storyline. Um, not, not really. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think even like intentionally in different places that I've worked where it just kind of. Uh, oh, I guess um, uh, when Honey Badger debuted, I got uh, uh, she came in and wrecked house on on uh, some some ladies that were wrestling, and I tried breaking her up, and she hit me with a stunner. So that was cool. And then the next show, um, she started doing it again. I broke it off. She hit me with another stunner. And then it got to the point where I would just be in the ring after the match. She would come out and hit me with a stunner. And that was just kind of our thing. It was awesome. She, you know, I, I tried putting it over and selling it as best I could. Um, but I don't know if there was never really a payoff. I think I tried hitting her with like a rock bottom one time. And then she reversed it and I took a stunner. But that's the only one that I can really think of that it just kind of was like hey go stop her she might hit you with a stunner but other than that no and i'm curious to hear what you were well, well, what i might have i might have twisted a little bit so i, I apologize well, 
one I want to go back to, and this one wasn't the one I was talking about, but you and Shane in your face, Victor Benjamin, whatever we're calling them, uh, at any promotion, at 2017 Stomp Out Cancer, you flew. So can we talk about that before I get to the real one I'm talking about? Yeah, so so that was a, uh, yeah, the benefit show. Um, and at the time, I think maybe one or two other refs had done it, and it was kind of like, oh, they shouldn't do it. The only reason I did it was, one, the, the bookers specifically asked me, and they said, hey, we have a spot, we want you to do it. So I said, since you specifically asked me, that's fine. And also because it was a benefit show and there wasn't, quote, unquote, a real storyline um, with it, that was really the only reasons why I agreed to it. But, yeah, there was a – God, it was like six or seven man scramble. And everyone was everyone was doing dives and house show splashes and this and that. And yeah, Shane in your face now, uh, Savage Victor Benjamin. He was uh, he was getting ready to dive, and I was told him no, 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 keep it in the ring. And he was like, no, 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 watch out, I want to dive. And I told him no, I got to get control. It's got to end in the ring. And he said, well, then you dive. So I kind of pointed at myself like, nah. And he's like, yeah. And then he started getting the crowd to do it, and I was like. All right, so I hit the ropes and did a, I don't know, suicide toupee over the top rope, and thankfully there were five or six other people there. And um, you guys took out the front row. Let me just say okay. that. you <laughs> took out the freaking front row. Uh, again, no barricades, fans. That's uh, one of the benefit of, of not having a barricade. Uh, it's very in your face. So yeah, that was uh, that was a lot of fun and. To be honest, I had never done, we didn't practice anything like that. It was literally, hey, I'm pretty sure I can clear this. Uh, if you stack it two, two, and two and kind of catch me like a stage dive, I think uh, we should be in business and should be okay. And thankfully, um, there were bodies there. Nobody got hurt, which is the most important thing. And it, I think it got a pretty pretty decent pop. Yeah, it's all over YouTube. You can hear the pop. It was phenomenal. I still remember it. I watched it again prior to us recording. So I'm like, I just want to watch this one more time. But awesome. That was that was great. And then I also uh, that same night I took a uh, um, a big boot from Duke Davis. He booted a steel chair because I proceeded to take it from him, telling him, "No, you can't do that." And uh, then he proceeded to kick it in my face and. That legit um, hurt me. I actually thought I was split open. Thankfully, I was not. But, uh, yeah, it was a busy night for me, Stomp Out Cancer. It, it was. The one I was talking about was actually Josh Alexander and Wardlow, the finish. Ah, ah. yes. So, yeah, um, that was interesting. So, uh, so the finish was... Um, supposed to be referee stoppage in the cage um, as Wardlow passed out from blood loss to an ankle lock that was put on by Josh Alexander. And that happened. Wardlow passed, called for the bell, and ring announcer, I, believe, I think it was Dave Kitsch, uh, came over and asked, and I said, uh, I don't remember what the verbiage was. If I said, uh, your winner is Alexander, winner by submission, something like that. But um, it, it kind of got uh, a little disgruntled because they were like, no, 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 Warlow didn't tap, Warlow didn't tap. It was, you know, by referee stoppage. I have kind of mixed emotions on that call uh, in a cage match. 
Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. Agree, I don't agree that a referee should stop it. That's the reason for the cage is to go all out. Um, but IWC doesn't do like escape from the cage uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, I, I think the visual of Wardlow going out and Josh walking out the door or sliding out the door, I think would have been sufficient because he didn't pin, he didn't submit Wardlow. He just made him pass out and he walked through the door. That, that would have been my take on it. Um, but also my, my, my thing is like when uh, Bret Hart beat Stone Cold Steve Austin in a submission match, um, he didn't tap, he passed out, but he still won the submission match. So it was the submission that made him pass out. So that's why I think the verbiage came off that way but they wanted it as referee stoppage. So again, tomato, tomato. Um, but this is another uh, great important of communication in professional wrestling. If the promoter wants it specifically this way, they have to smarten up the ring announcer. They have to smarten up the uh, referee. And that's no, that's no dig on plumber or anything like that. Uh, with cage fury, it's a freaking busy night. Oh my God. And there's a lot of, a lot of things going on. So again, it's just, it's a learning lesson because um, I don't know what commentary was saying. I wish I could hear them, you know, in my, in my ear, uh, all I can hear are the, are the time cues there. So I don't know if they put it off as, I mean, they could have put it over perfect and people discard, disregarded submission. They were saying, no, Wardlow didn't tap. He just passed out at referee stoppage. So as long as everybody's on the same page, again, then wrestling is a beautiful thing. But um, yeah, that was one of the, I guess, things that, and, and it irks me because I don't want to make that kind of verbiage mistake, or I don't want to put anybody in a bad position saying, oh, he lost by submission, but really he just passed out. You know, the, I'm not trying to make anybody weak or get any kind of heat or anything like that. I want wrestling to be what the promoter wants, you know, to deliver to the fans. So um, I, I will take full responsibility for that because I used the verbiage and relate it to kitsch. I just called it as I, as I saw it. And if that's, you know, cost somebody a, uh, you know, a title shot or cost somebody some money here and there, then that's on me. Let me know. I'll Venmo you. I promise I'll make it up to you. Um, well, but I, think, I think, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think, uh, every party involved in that, um, is doing pretty well for themselves. So um, I don't believe there's any kind of uh, yeah, resentment. There, I don't think there's any animosity or anything between any. I, I was going to say that. I think Wardlow's doing fine now. He doesn't look weak. Josh Alexander is crushing impact. If yes. you're Venmoing anybody, I think you should probably Venmo me because I can't get Wardlow on a damn show anymore. That's <laughs> where you. Uh, well, I. Um, I, I, I saw him backstage. He was always very polite, always, always shook his hand. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, we're boys, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I wish I could say, hey, I'll, you know, I'll hit him up and let you know. But, know. Uh, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's hoops and everything you have to, you know, working through ROH, there's just contractual stuff that you have to do for podcasts and da, 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 da So, yeah. Gotcha. Um, all right. So we're finally to ROH after about an hour. Are you all right to go a little bit longer? Yeah, and I apologize. Hopefully, no, I'm not taking up way no. too much. The family's upstairs doing homework, so I'm good to go. Awesome. Yeah, then, then yeah, we'll, we'll continue through it. All right. How do you get to ROH? Like, legit. Uh, you, you said you, you went to a show or something. How do you get there and get the contract? 
So, so at the at the time there were they were doing uh, tryouts and seminars. I believe the first one I did was in 2016, in the summer of 2016. So you fill out an application, and they they say you know referees, valets, uh, wrestlers, and they they only hold it to about 40 spots. And so I got the got the nod to go ahead there, and I told Dombrowski, I said, look, I'm branching out, even if it's they can't use me or anything, I'll learn a lot. And at the time, I mean, we're talking. Uh, Christopher Daniels was there, both Briscoes, Jay Lethal, Nigel McGinnis, Kevin Kelly, Steve Carino, Todd Sinclair, um, I mean, Frankie Kazarian, the Briscoe, any, anybody's a hoo-hoo from it's Ring there. of Honor, present and, and past, yeah, we're there. So I went there, and uh, I met, uh, met a couple other referees, and we just kind of rotated through the drills, and then at the end, they did matches, and at the end of the, I think the last day was Sunday. So at the end of the day, they went down the line with, with the wrestlers and they said, you know, could we use you if we needed somebody on TV uh, tomorrow, could we use you as an enhancement role? Uh, you know, you would face, you wouldn't be Jay lethal, but you would face Jay lethal in a match and put him over. Or, you know, could we use you as, as the primary focus? So some guys got yes. Uh, some guys got no, some guys got no, not now different things like that. I think, it might have been, I think, um, Preston uh, Preston Vance, number 10 from Dark Order in AEW was at that seminar. I wow. believe I believe MJF was actually at that se- seminar. And I'm sure there's a couple others. If I could, if I went back at a, at a picture that we took, I'm pretty sure we could uh, we could drum up some other people who are now making a lot of money in this business. So, yeah, just fantastic talent. And uh, so when it came to to the referees, uh, the two referees before me, they said, no, not yet. But Todd said, if we needed another referee on TV, um, yes, we would we would use you the next day. So um, I got together with Kevin Kelly. He said, look, we're going to do a loop in Pittsburgh and Lockport, New York in uh, in I think it was September. And he said, come do ring crew. Can't promise any work, but show your face and, and go from there. Lo and behold, I did, and I did ring crew. I got my very first match. It was, uh, at the time, it was uh, Cheeseburger, uh, now world-famous CB, against Chris LaRusso. Yay! Mm-hmm. He hates Easy me, by st- the way. That, man, I'm, well, I'm, I'm sorry. He's fa- fantastic. He's uh, an amazing guy. It's wrestling. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Great, great wrestler, great mind, great promos, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the match was probably... Five to seven minutes, solid uh, heel versus face match, cheeseburger over with uh, show tie. And then I got to the back and I did what any other indie wrestler would do. I just kind of sat there and waited for the next match. And Todd Sinclair comes up to me. He's like, look, you were just as much as that match as, as cheeseburger and LaRusso. Go over there and pick Steve Carino's brain. He, he used some explicitives. I won't drop that. But he said, that's Steven explicit of Carino. Go learn from him. So I sat there and picked his brain about different things here and there. And that was just its kind of eye opening that, OK, they just didn't have me come in to to work a match, throw me a bone. It was like, no, 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 no. go learn from him. You were part of this match. And that was kind of eye opening that like on the independence, it's stay out of the way. And if you don't get yelled at in the back, you did a good job. But this was like, no, 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 go learn, go pick the brain, go see what the wrestlers did, what you did, different things like that. Um, so they finished up the show there, packed up the truck, drove to Lockport the very next morning, set up, 
I got another dark match. I believe it was a tag match that time. And it was, um, it, it was awesome. At the time, I think they had Todd, uh, Brian Gorey, and Paul Turner. So I was kind of the fourth. And then a few uh, months later, uh, Brian Gorey, I think the, the car that he was riding in didn't continue there. So it was me, Paul, and, and, uh, and Todd. And then Paul, 100% good for him, got signed to AEW uh, a few years ago. And it is now the senior official. Absolutely love watching Paul ref. He's one of my favorite refs to watch um, outside of WWE or Ring of Honor. And uh, at the time, then it was uh, me, Todd, and a referee named Steve Duming, and they were kind of using me and Steve on rotations. I would go down to Florida, Steve would do Baltimore, I'd go to Philly, he would do Nashville, different things like that. And it just kind of came to pass once the pandemic hit that they were running at limited staff. And I kind of got the nod to be the, I guess, the quote unquote unofficial number two uh, along with Todd. So we did that through the pandemic, we did that for most of this year. And, um, again, the, the, the pay kept going up. I got travel taken care of hotels, flights. I mean, just breaking even doing trans as a referee is, is huge. But on top of that, they, they were paying me really well. Um, unfortunately I just like, like I had alluded to earlier in the, in the podcast, just running out of PTO days to use or, um, driving back from Philadelphia after doing you know, six, seven hours of TV taping because I don't want to use a PTO day the next day, getting home at one, two in the morning, showered up in bed by three, up at five. Um, yeah, yeah. To, to get up and work the shoot job in in the office is, uh, yeah, is kind of, you know, my, my rise and I guess, quote unquote, fall from, from ROH as far as, um, as far as exiting, but, um, that, yeah, so that's kind of how I got uh, got my foot in the door with Ring of Honor. And I did probably three other seminars and, and again, just learned and worked with so much great talent um, and, and, and extremely thankful for, for the amount of advice and, and, and knowledge that, and wisdom that I was able to gain from those. Absolutely priceless, 100% worth. Um, I think at the time it was like 300 bucks for three days, which was absolutely nothing i mean that was 100 percent worth it and um i mean you, you you're there essentially 11 12 13 hours uh just picking brains doing drills doing matches and it was 100 percent worth it I, i'd do it all over again if i had the opportunity well that that was my next question give me some of that brain picking that you got from you know one or two people um i'd like one from another referee maybe something from carino and Maybe one of the wrestlers that came up and said, "Hey, Joe, you were freaking phenomenal for being so young." Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, with uh, with Steve Car- with Steve Carino, more or less, it was. Look, he asked the wrestlers, "Was the ref giving you time cues?" He said, "They said yes." He's like, "Great." He said, "As far as I saw, you worked the hard cams and the handheld cams." So, I mean, as far as the basics goes, he said Todd might see something here and there, but he said. Um, you were there when the wrestlers need you and you stayed out of the way of the camera. So, I mean, that, that's the big thing, especially working TV independent shows are a little different, but oh, oh, yeah. you, Let, let's stop right there. Then perfect. <laughs> this, this, I'm sorry. I, I cut you off because one of the photos that I'm looking for, and I'm going to throw everybody under the bus. I'm sorry. We talked about this in a perfect segue. You're nowhere to be sa- found in IWC uh, because I was looking for a cool picture for the thumbnail or something. 
You have CJ posing for the camera. You have Bobby posing. Plumber's in every picture, even if he's not in the match. And then Lendl, as you know, as fly as a white guy can be. How come you're never around? Because you're actually doing your job. I mean, before the ring, I try to act professional. Um, you know, leftover right kind of thing. If I'm with Lendl, sometimes a uh, uh, photographer will will get us to pose, and maybe I'll do something like that. But uh, really, I'm kind of just scouting the crowd, uh, looking for anybody who may look suspicious, who may want to try to jump a barricade, who may be intoxicated, or or maybe a younger fan who thinks he's gonna you know, touch one of the wrestlers in an inappropriate way, especially if there's a women's match. So although it looks like I'm doing nothing, I'm doing a lot more um, in my head and, and kind of doing a mental check on, on what's going on, making sure the ring, you have the turnbuckles or something like that, uh, making sure everything's safe so that when the competitors come out, they can just do their thing. Um, and then as far as like when the match goes, I've just tried to be conditioned. So if I know where the camera is and a guy's going to throw a drop kick, it, it kind of irks me when a referee is right in between the action. A lot of referees, when people are throwing punches, are right there in the action. And I get to a degree you want to, quote, unquote, make sure they're they're protecting themselves. But from a hard cam point of view, the stripes are blocking the strikes, uh, or at least that's what I've been conditioned to, to learn. So I try to stay off to the side and lower so that I'm not blocking that. And if a camera wants to get the shot, um, hopefully I'm out of the way because there's nothing, you know, the, the wrestlers, they want to use stuff for their portfolio, whether it's a clip, whether it's a picture. And if I'm nowhere to be found in, in any of those pictures, um, then in my opinion, I'm, I'm doing something right as far as the spacing goes and, and everything. I don't, as a referee, you don't want to be all over the talent. There's times when you need to be seen, but other than that, just kind of go off to the background. So I'm glad that uh, a fan and somebody who's seen enough wrestling can can pick something like that out as why 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 am I not seeing Joe in any of this or you know why in this camera angle is is he not there but oh there he is he just came into frame so if somebody who's able to see that um, you know just as a fan then then that's that's a compliment and, and I appreciate that um, to yeah. the highest degree. So no compliments for CJ or Bobby. No, they've both been on the show. I love them both. They <laughs> know it. Uh, all right. So to, back to that. Uh, how about a wrestler saying something to you? Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think on the on the spot. Uh, I know. I know Gresham uh, on more than one occasion has, has thanked me for different things that he's done, especially in the pure matches. Uh, Josh Woods is another one. Again, just fantastic guys, even better wrestlers. So. Uh, when somebody like that even just comes up and say, "Hey, man, thank you," or 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 the the OGK, I just did a tag match with them. Um, hey, man, we got the time cues perfect. Hey, man, you're out of the way. You you know we didn't even notice you were there. Little stuff like that is is a huge compliment. So on more than one occasion, uh, again, guys who have tenure, it's not just you know buddy buddy kind of thing on, on the independence. Like ah, oh, you 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 know what you're doing, but. But guys who have been in the ring with multiple referees, for them to say something like that is is, is truly humbling. Um, and then Todd, to be honest, and, and this isn't uh, a negative thing or, or, or any kind of heat, um, he really doesn't give me a lot of compliments. It's kind of a no news is good news kind of thing, and I actually appreciate that. Uh, because too much of a good thing is just going to stroke somebody's ego, and and the wrestling world doesn't need yes men. They don't need. I can't tell you how many times a wrestler will come back and be like, "Hey man, how was my match? Good, good." 
you see anything? No, nah, no, nah, it was good. And I'm sitting there like, Bruh, first of all, you went over by three minutes. Second of all, the heat was too long. Third of all, you're selling. And, and I'm just picking it apart, but I don't say anything because I don't feel I have as much tenured in that aspect, even though, you know, I've picked the brains of a lot of, a lot of different people. Um, so yeah, Todd, if I do something right, or, or if he does, he'll say, Hey man, I didn't hear anything. Um, anything like that, then, then I know I'm, I'm doing something. And I'll even ask him like, Hey, did you see anything? No, I didn't see anything that, that, that stuck out. And if nothing sticks out to him, like a sore thumb, then I know in my opinion that, that I did something right. Or, or I know in his eyes that everything was just fine. Nice. When you were a couple more questions, and I want to ask you just some off the wall questions uh, sure. before I let you go. Um, when you were doing tape study, when you went all the way in on becoming a professional wrestler, who were some besides uh, Sean Patrick? Of course, you got all your knowledge from there. Who were some of the old school officials that you sat down and watched their matches? Uh, so Tim White and Jimmy Corderas were two of my favorites growing up. Uh, for different reasons, Jimmy Corderas uh, is very soft-spoken in the ring. He uses different mannerisms, and he was kind of ta- a little bit taller. At least he he came across that way. So I like the fact that uh, he wasn't very very vocal. Just kind of used his facial expressions, maybe a wince if something looked like like wow that guy really got kicked. So I, I appreciated that. And Tim White, on the other hand, uh, was a lot more vocal and and. And, you know, kind of, kind of a little bit more animated. So I tried to copy and paste a little bit of that um, into my repertoire. And, and of course, you know, uh, you know, you have your Mike Kyotas, your all Hebner's, your, uh, your Nick Patrick's and so on and so forth. Um, and he, some people were like, what about, you know, Tommy Young and stuff? And I was like, it, that was before my time. So it's no disrespect to, to Mr. Young or anything like that. But I never really like went back and watched. I, I would see some different highlights, different things like that. but. Um, my era was, was Corderas and, and Tim White. So I, I tried my, my best to kind of emulate what, what those guys did. How much wrestling are you watching now? I mean, you're, you're engulfed in it, uh, we're stepping away a little bit, but I mean, how much are you watching? Are you making sure you watch AEW and do you go back and watch your ROH yeah. product as it actually is released in new Japan? And, you know, I know you said you have a ton of stuff going on, but you're still a fan, right? Yes, absolutely. I always make room for Ring of Honor, especially um, when the tapings come out, still studying, still learning, uh, trying to copy and paste. If I see something that doesn't look right, I'll ask Todd, hey, did you see my positioning on this? What did you think? Uh, always learning because the, the the day you stop learning or the day I stop learning is the day I really stop caring. And um, I still care enough about the business, even though I'm headed out the door um, to, to be professional in that aspect. So I'm, I'm always going to continue to learn. Uh, and even even you know when the uh, when the curtain closes, I'll, I'll be learning. So yeah, always still watch, watch Ring of Honor. Definitely still watch AEW. Uh, just mostly because I, I love watching people I've been in the ring with uh, succeed, and it's pretty cool to be like, oh yeah, I was in the ring with Wheeler Yuta, Chucky e. T, you know those guys. Or if I'm watching you know Rapongi 3K and New Japan, Yo and Show, it's like wow, I you know. I remember when I worked with them, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazari. And oh, I remember when they were the addiction. It's just kind of nice uh, trip down memo- memory lane in, in a way. Um, and, and to see where they went. I mean, I remember when it was the addiction versus Jonathan Gresham and Jay White. 
And now, now you look at Jay White. Like Jay White at the time was just just Jay White. Yep. You know, good 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 wrestler. Didn't kind of find himself. And now he's the I always call him like the heir to to Kenny Omega in New Japan. Like when Kenny kind of he stepped really out, is. hey yeah. hey here's here's Jay White and the Switchblade and everything. Just man, it just kind of works and it clicks and it's nothing fancy, it's nothing flashy, but man, it just works. The tights and his and his uh, his necklace with the Switchblade. It's just it's cool. It, it's very cool. And um and usually uh, around uh, Wrestle Kingdom, uh, I'll watch that. You know, all uh, all 38 hours of it, I'll watch it. And it's fantastic, and uh, and it really is. It, it, it is. It, I agree. It, it peaks. It peaks. Peaks my interest because it's there's nothing fancy in between matches or anything like that. No really big vignettes or or promos or anything. Occasionally you might get that, but it's just wrestling, and, it, and it's that strong style, and and they take care of each other, and it's I. It's different, and and I I will always uh, I will always tune into that um, uh, whenever that comes around. So yeah, I I will make time for for wrestling and and the bigger uh, WWE uh, pay per views. I'll go ahead and and, and gorge myself in. So um, yeah, a little little bit of everything. I, st- I still try to keep up with a little bit of everything. Again, um, it's just kind of the nostalgia of of seeing where friends that you've made or or acquaintance that you make and seeing them succeed is, is just a beautiful thing that's kind of a setup question for you personally because at the beginning of the show you're like well i'm stepping away Da-da-da-da. your passion is still there your love is still there and it is just taking that uh, to wrap all the way back around to take that me time again because Never say never, and I will say it on this podcast. Joe Mandak will be back in the ring. Don't don't get me wrong. Have it be five years or whatever, you'll be back in the ring at some point. In I'll hold you to it. In in thirty years, if we're if I'm wrong, I owe you a beer. Fair enough. And you know what? I'm straight edge. So if you make it a root beer, we'll, well, yeah. we'll call it we'll, we'll call it even, brother. A ginger beer. Ginger beer. I will I will dabble in some ginger or birch beer. That sounds good to me. Uh, let's talk about some nerd stuff real quick, because these are random, stupid questions. Okay. What else do you nerd out about? Uh, we heard that you do some jujitsu. Um, are you a video game guy, music guy, something like that? I I love, I love playing golf. I I coach it, but I absolutely love, uh, playing golf anytime I get a chance to. So, um, that's definitely one thing. Uh, weight room, I really, really got into that and it's, it's cool because not a lot of people, they, they either want to bulk or they want to shred. And I've been able to kind of do both. I've gotten up to, you know, a decent 170 size, I, you know, from, from weighing 135 when I started in the gym about five years ago, putting on 35 pounds of weight. It's just kind of cool to, to say I've been able to do it. And then I've cut, you know, a little bit of weight here to, you know, for the summer body and so on and so forth. So I've really dabbled in, in, in working out. Um, so between working out and fitness, uh, or, or, or in golf, uh, that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. I, I love dogs. I, I mentioned I got two fur, fur babies at home that I absolutely love. So if you have a dog, uh, send me a picture of it. I absolutely love seeing dogs. I love playing with them, babysitting, all that good stuff. Um, good. You're so, getting yeah. mine then the next IWC event when you're not refereeing. I'm bringing Fair it down enough. to you. Awesome. Uh, I'm all for it. All for it. 
So that question was also set up because I know you're big into fitness and everything. Have you taken Jared Fritz's ref fit? Because the running joke between can crushers is, yeah, you are Joe Mandak, but you are muscles Mandak because you are one of the fittest referees in the freaking business. You have bigger pipes than some talent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I, I've done so. So during the pandemic, uh, I'm in a, a group on Facebook called Zebra Talk. I don't know if Jared had alluded to that, but we actually got together and we did uh, a Zoom workout videos. And he would do like hit circuits and different things like that. I would do like a chest and ab circuit kind of thing. And this other referee, you know, he'd do weights. And it was pretty cool to be able to do that during the pandemic to try to keep people doing something while they were doing nothing. And uh, I have done a couple of the uh, ref fit um hit circuits um and uh <laughs> i got i got through them um my number <laughs> my numbers are not as impressive as jared jared is a workhorse beast. he's a beast he is absolutely a beast um and he's definitely I mean, he's got me by a few pounds but i think i like to pretend that i can hold my own um as far as deadlift squats all that good stuff but uh no he's fantastic dude i love everything that that the, that the guy does and uh, i'm so glad that he's got found his niche in, in nwa and, and i wish him nothing but more and more success um as he continues to do that he's genuinely a great dude really good dude he really is we still keep in contact here and there about what's going on this that and the other because we were scheduled to be front row at the crockett cup last year and then we were gonna oh, wow. meet up with him at wrestlecade last year and all of that went to hell so Right. Hopefully we meet him at WrestleCade again this year. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, stupid question, and then we'll wrap this up with your socials and all that. You can have three people hanging out with you on a deserted island. And I, I always bring up beer because we're can crushers for two reasons. One, I'm a garbage man, so I beat the hell out of cans during the day. And I okay. come home and I have some beverages. That's, that's can crushers in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, you have three people that you can hang out with on a desert island, drinking some beers. I know you're straight edge, but today we're going to be non-straight edge. Okay. You can bring one from ROH, one from IWC, and then one from AEW. Who are you bringing with you? All right. So Ring of Honor, that is going to be Dalton Castle. Yes. Okay. Uh, AEW is going to be Hangman Adam Page. Well, that makes sense. And yeah, and uh, and re remind me between I, those two. There, there's a reason. I, there's a there's a reason I picked those two. Um, but IWC. Oh boy, you know what? Um, wow, it's like do I do I go with with talents? Because I have two wrestlers. I'm a referee. Do I bring a commentator so that way we can just wrestle on the island? Do I bring a ring announcer so? Um, man, it's okay. So IWC, let's, I'm going to say, man, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings by leaving them out. Well, if you want to group <laughs> in two together, there was a podcast last year called Six Pack with Jack that had two people drunk all the time in it. So those two could be together. I would I would allow that if you would name those two. Otherwise, gotcha. gotcha. Uh, yeah, Pollock would be Pollock would be pretty fun. I have a feeling we got we got a nice nice history there. 
and LaRusso yeah. passes out during the podcast. This is why yeah, you yeah, bring yeah. it up all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Yeah. We'll, uh, yeah, a little fist up, throw down, shout out to uh, to Jack Pollock. We'll, I'll, I'll throw him on the island as nice. well. Nice. So, all right. Uh, advice that you want to give to youngsters that either want to be a wrestler or a referee. Um, treat it like treat it like a job. I mean, that's what I was taught, and don't do it as a hobby. It's the stupidest hobby in the world that you could possibly <laughs> do. Wow. Um, every bump they say is equivalent to about a 25 30 mile an hour car crash as far as like the the jerking of the body and different things like that um i can think of a bunch of other hobbies that will save your body so again if you want to do this and play weekend warrior i'm not going to tell anybody to do wrestling's for everybody you know do do it don't but um if you are truly serious or at least have an ounce of respect of those who came before you treat it as a job um, so that would be my biggest thing. Um, you have two ears and one mouth. So listen is twice as much as you speak. Uh, no, no. Yeah. Buts. If somebody tells you something, don't give the proverbial. Yeah. But this, or yeah, my train, but my trainer said this, it's a yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And, and even if you think what they're telling you is garbage, shake, smile and, and go your separate ways. Don't do anything that's going to derail that. Um, but, uh, enjoy the ride. One thing I, I definitely regret is not actually documenting my matches. And I, I, I say, I said, I had wrestled like a hundred, you know, triple threat matches. Honestly, I don't even know if I've done a dozen triple threat matches, you know, over the years that I've done. Um, it sounded good though. Yeah. It's always oh, it sounds, yeah. It sounds great, but I have nothing tangible that says, yeah, I ref 500 matches. I've refed a thousand matches, and and part again, part of me wishes I would have documented that just for my sake. Um, but uh, enjoy, enjoy the ride. Find a carload of people, and just get out of your bubble. There's a lot of people that get stuck in the the tri, you know, the West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio bubble. You need to go to the New England states. You need to go down south. You need to go to Texas. You need to go to SoCal. You know, you need to go to Florida. Uh, especially with networking the way it is today. Again, hop in a car, make the 13-hour drive, network while you're down there, network on the way to and from, practice your promos in the car. I mean, I'm just literally spitballing at this time, just literally everything that I've kind of been taught over the years. And that's to wrestlers. I'm not even talking about referees. I mean, just as a wrestler, uh, but referees can take that too. Hop in a car, work your tail off, gain respect, and and good things will happen. I promise amazing things will happen. And do you have time for one of your favorite road stories that you can just release to us? Yeah. Um, so it was the same road trip when Lendl purchased his $187 with white suit. So, again, you can, you can rib that, but uh, set up in Columbus. Columbus is about a three-hour drive. And they were setting up right around 11. So I told Nick and Dombrowski, who was riding with me, I said, look, I'm going to be at your house at 8. Even though call time's at 3, I'm going to be at your house at 8. I want to make the drive. I want to set up. I want to do ring crew and everything like that. So I picked Lendl up. I go to Dombrowski's house. And I'm texting him on the way. And it's probably about 7.50, 7.55. I said, I'm like four minutes away, dude. And he says, I'm in the shower. So I was like, okay. 
So then I text him, I'm here. He says, I'm blow drying my hair. Lendl and I probably sat in a car for about 20, 25 minutes. Dombrowski comes out. You can tell he's pissed. And you can tell he just blow dry, was just blow drying his hair. He sits in the back seat, puts his sunglasses on, puts his earbuds in, crosses his arm and says, good rib. Falls asleep and doesn't say two words to me and Lendl on the way out to the show. <laughs> Completely no-sold the fact that he was even in the vehicle. So we get there, and he's still asleep. So I said, Joe, I'm going to crack the windows. I'll put my keys on the front seat. He slept probably three or four more hours in my back seat while I was doing, uh, while I was doing crew. And I didn't, I didn't see him for the rest. He legit, I guess, thought I was like joking, like pulling his leg, but I was like, no, if you want to ride with me, this is what's going to happen. And he always busts my chops and, and gives me a hard time. He always says, Hey, are you going to IWC early? Cause you know, you need to set up the ring. You need to tear it down. And I, I just love that to me. You're building a stage, you're building the presentation. You have pride in what you do. Right. Um, seeing, seeing it erected, so to say, when the fans come in, you know, it's like, Hey, I had a hand in that to me, that pops me real hard. So uh, he always busts my chops about that. But yeah, the fact that he just no sold the fact that we were there early um, and, and good rib just is awesome. Just always, always, always fun. And there's, there's probably a dozen other more, but I'll, I'll save those um, for the mega for when, podcast uh, for the, for the mega triple threat podcast with Dombrowski, Lendl and I, that'll be, um, cause I know Lendl and I, uh, we, we share the same, uh, joy and pleasure in, in, um, pissing Joe off when it comes to arriving early or, or staying late and everything. There's always good, good times with that. We're, we're setting this up. We're setting it up that I will bring everything down to Pittsburgh prior, or maybe even hang out and do it on Sunday after an IWC event or something. Because if we can get Joe pissed off, this is something I want to see. Absolutely. Oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And, uh, it's not that, it's, excuse me, it's not that hard to, uh, to piss Joe off, especially with, uh, the ammunition that Nick and I have, we'll make sure and, uh, rib him even harder. It'll, it'll be a good one. Nice. Uh, do you want to give out your socials so people can follow you and, you know, see what you, I mean, essentially you have three more matches left unless, uh, when you make your huge return in about a year and a half um, <laughs> <laughs> or, or until somebody, uh, like you said, uh, Somebody calls me out and tells me that they want to fight me in December. If that's the case, then uh, that's going to happen. That we're going to make that happen. I, I just don't know who yet, but uh, we'll see. Is there is there somebody that you would love to work with to put in my mind right now? Uh, I mean, if if they're not in a tag team, to work with my boy Gannon Jones Jr. obviously would be a uh, would be a dream because we we trained together, we went to high school together, we played basketball together in high school. I mean, there's there's some lineage there, and. Um, and I know the size and difference, it, it looks kind of goofy, but I, I know we could put on uh, a little bit of a banger for, for the crowd. And, um, and again, I'm, I, I'm not trying to downplay Duke Davis or anything like that because them as a tag team is more money than anybody should, uh, should ever care. But yeah, that would be, that would be a quote unquote dream, uh, a dream opponent and a way to go out. But I'll put, a, I'll, I'll put over anybody. It does, doesn't really matter. I'll, I'll, I'll make them look like a million bucks. Actually, I think you should be Liddy. Come out to the ring with the main event and take the titles from Money Shot. And maybe I can't say anything bad against Dime Piece. So I was going to say maybe maybe give a shot to Dime Piece, but no, nah, I love her too much. 
Um, yeah. we'll, we'll get a six-man match then. This way you get to work both ways with your homeboy, and uh, you'll go over. That's, uh, you, that, have to, that's... you have to go 2-0 and and retire from in the ring. This way you're better than The Undertaker then. That, yeah, I mean, yeah, one and zero is the way to go, main event. So yeah, that that would be that would be great. Um, but the, yeah, no, no, social media. I'm not on uh, not on Twitter anymore. Um, it was too much of a cesspool for mentally. So yes, um, I, I've kind of gotten rid of that. But uh, on Instagram is just uh, at uh, the Ref Joe Mandak M A N D A K. I do a lot of um, post a lot of food pictures of my dog's fitness on there. Um, so if you're into any of that, you know, feel free to check that out. And then just uh, Joseph Mandak the third on Facebook. Um, if your friend requests me and I see that you're friends with a bunch of wrestlers or other people associated, you know, with IWC, I'll add you. I'm not, you know, all you have to do is keep poking me and I'll and I'll unfriend you. But you know, it's twenty. 21 and people are still poking and stopping that anymore uh brother if i had a nickel for every time i got quote-unquote poked i would uh, i'd be retiring right now good you could take your wife on a nice vacation because that's yeah yeah no, <laughs> absolutely absolutely so so yeah that's 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 me on social media so um yeah you can you can feel free to reach out and and i, I appreciate you having me on this is I, I love talking wrestling i love hearing other people's perspective of it and um, I sincerely, again, appreciate all the support that you've given IWC over the years. I know they greatly appreciate it from Chuck Roberts all the way to Justin Plummer. I know they, they both greatly appreciate that support. It's great. Joe, thanks for stopping by tonight. And uh, we'll see you October 6th at Super Indy. Sounds 16th, good, boss. I'll be here. 16th. Yeah, is that 16th. What I mean? yeah, I'm drunk. Yeah. No, that's all right. <laughs> what a great interview with Joe. Oh, my God. I loved everything. So truthful. And I don't care what he says. I, I will still say this. Uh, you know, if he takes a little break, he's going to be back. Because did you hear the passion when I asked him if he still watches wrestling and he makes time for it? That passion came through the phone, the computer, whatever you guys want to say came through. It came through that he loves this business. Take some time off. I'm all for that. I'm actually one that I think wrestling should possibly have uh, a little break in the action for injuries and just headspace to get right. I know it's a money-making business. I understand that. And what the hell would the podcast do? I don't know. I just drink beer and talk to you about old stuff. Nonetheless... I am for that. Joe, take some time off, unless you get that contract, and then everything I just said is null and void. But yes, do what you need to. Take your wife on an amazing vacation. Eight years in the business, riding up and down the roads is unbelievable. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for two Lendl stories. Well, one was a Dombrowski story, too. I love them. And we're going to set up that mega podcast. We have to have this done. We're going to go do... uh, uh, parts unknown somewhere and set this up so we can get that roast of Joe Dombrowski essentially is what we're setting it up to be. Joe, I'm sorry. That's it's just going to happen. Guys, I love the way that um Joe Mandak because there's too many Joes going on now. Joe Mandak talked about getting in the ROH business. How we just screw it. I'm going all in. I'm taking this money. I'm going to go down and do what I have to do. Didn't get the, yes, you're doing it right off the bat, but hey, I'll I'll call you. And he just jumps on board and does whatever he has to. (sighs) Talking about just memories about doing the stomp out cancer, stuff like that. This was a great interview for me. And and Joe's a great guy. It, It really meant a lot talking to Joe because there's still the love for professional wrestling. 
And how about those three guys that he's going to grab with him? Joe, I don't think you'll be straight edge after you come off of that island. Guys, thanks for listening again this week. We had a blast here on the Spotlight. Remember, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of it's at CanCrusher69. You want to send us an email telling us how bad we are or how good we are, you can rate, review us, and all that on all of the podcast networks. But if you just want to send me a direct email, it's CanCrusher69 at gmail.com or call into our number now, 814-299-6687. Give us a review there. Maybe we'll play it on the podcast. If you don't swear at us that much, eh, that won't bother me. If you just don't hurt my feelings, essentially. Remember, guys, just because it's trash, it doesn't mean you can't do great things. It's called the garbage can, not a garbage cannot. (laughs) 